that as a church. I look around, I see people who have been drawn to Christ. I've heard some of your testimonies. I've seen some of your testimonies. As people have pointed to Jesus in your life, God has drawn you to Himself. And we as a church want to live that out individually as you interact with the world in the world that you're in on a personal basis. But we also want to live that out corporately as a body. And you know we've been moving forward and we've presented this possibility. I'm going to the next slide for me, please. And that, that's the field that is right over here, right next door. And we're pretty excited to announce that, praise the Lord, after a, after a period of time, just remind you of what has happened, okay? Go ahead, please. Uh, there's the land, all right? There's us, okay? There's you. You're there. We don't, don't see. You're, you're that little circle right there above Spring Mills, below the center point. That's you, okay? The land we've been looking at is right there in that triangle. Next slide, please. It talks about that, the fact that there was a time in 2014 we thought that land had been promised to us, but that was withdrawn. We talked about that recently. In, Ju- in July of 2014, we, we started looking for land and started really praying that God would reveal to us where He wanted Centerpoint Bible Church to be in a more permanent facility. We found in October 2014, we found this field next door. And just to remind you what we were offered. The owner said, sure, I'll sell it to you. I'll give you 10 acres for $275,000. That's $27,500 an acre. And we shook our heads and said, that's too much. We can't afford that. And I came back here, I remember, it's almost a year ago. I said to our body, we need to pray. Because we believe God is leading us here. We believe the Lord wants us to stay right here in the middle of this school complex. We've been praying that we're within a half mile of this, of this stoplight right up here. And this is the only land we can find that meets that criteria. And so you prayed with us. And in December, go ahead, in December of 2014, the owner called me and said, this is my final offer. I don't want to talk about this anymore. I'll give you the whole field, all 20 acres, for $200,000. And you guys, if you'd have been there, you'd have seen my jaw dropped. There'd never been talk of that kind of number. I'm not some kind of good negotiator. You need to know that, okay? I always pay the highest for automobiles. I walk in and say, sure, I'll take it. I'm not a negotiator. Pastor Billy, wherever you are, he is. But he wasn't on the phone that day, you see. It was the Lord working this out. And the owner made an offer that had never been put out by me. This was God working in his heart. And he said, sure, I'll give you all 20 acres for $200,000. I couldn't believe it. Go ahead, next slide, please. Well, November 13th, so Friday this week, we closed on that loan. That is, yes, God is, has led us. And now Centerpoint Bible Church, I'll say owns. In reality, we are just the stewards of a piece of property right back there. I'm thankful for these men and others. Mark McKenzie couldn't be there. Pastor Billy Hearn couldn't be there. But I'm thankful for these men and others who there aren't in the, on that screen who have helped along the process. And I tell you, I, I ride over there and I see what God has provided. And it just, it just blows my mind. I shared with some friends this morning as we were praying together. I said, honestly, in, in September 2008, I didn't know if we were going to last a week, a month, three months. I didn't know. And God has done a work. And there, is, there, are, there are bright times ahead for Center Point Bible Church. 
When I pull down Campus Drive and I circle all the around here and go down that old bumpy road that we now, has, we now own half that road, God does. Center Point Bible Church does. So I ride through here and see what God has brought here. And folks, we were having services here before any of these. This was the only school here then. This was a field. This was just an idea that somebody had. That there would be schools here. There would be thousands of students and thousands of, of parents and hundreds of faculty members that would be driving down here every single day. God had a plan all along. The owner didn't know, the owner of that property. The school principals didn't know. I didn't know. I'd love to, to tell you I had some kind of foresight and I knew this was going to happen, but that's, that would be a lie. We just followed the Lord faithfully, step after step. And we haven't been perfect, I know. We've been faithfully following the Lord. We have as a body. And God has been leading us. He says, when I'm lifted up, from the earth. Jesus says, I will draw people to myself. My, here's my dream. Call it a vision if you want to. I picture a time when, when kids will be riding down campus drive and they'll go here to this school or they'll go to the football field on Friday night or the soccer fields on Saturday morning and there on that hill will be a church and above that church will be a cross and little kids will say to their parents, Mommy, Daddy, what is that building? And I want the parents, I want, I want them to say, I don't know. Let's find out. Let's find out. And right here in the middle of, of you could arguably say, the most, the, the most important part of our whole county, this whole new school complex, God has placed this little church to keep pointing to Him. This is a great success for the Lord. And a great success for the body of Center Point Bible Church. Now, there's a couple of things I want. I want a couple of goals I want to put out ahead of you right now. Okay, so let's just put these up on the screen. Um, number one, next Sunday. Next Sunday, here's a goal for you. I want us all to walk out on the property next Sunday morning. Okay. Now, I know what you're thinking. It's going to be cold. It might rain. I don't like to walk. You'll survive, okay? I walked out the back door here yesterday. It's 125 steps from the back door to the edge of the property, okay? 125 steps. If 125 is too much, okay, Pastor Brock, I know, all right? If 125 steps is too much, Pastor Billy has agreed to sit out front here in the, in the church van, and he will drive you around. Brock will be in the front seat with you, okay? So we're right out here. We will drive you up. We will walk over. I want us to, next week to have just a time of prayer and dedication. Just to stand there on that property that is God's. It always has been. But now we know it in a more real way. And it is not our property we are stewards of it. The Lord has, has said, here, care for this for me for a little while. Invest this for me for a little while. And we will invest now with all of our strength. We will invest now with all of our heart. And we will point to Jesus with everything we got. And this community will be blessed because of it. So next Sunday morning... We'll have worship service, so it's normal, and we'll take off over there shortly before noon. I want everybody to come. As a matter of fact, here's the goal. Do me a favor. Spread the words. 
There are people who have come into our body and gone out. That, that happens. I understand that. But there are people who have invested their life in center point, And for one reason or another, they're not with us anymore. Invite them back. Invite them back next Sunday. If you know somebody that is, that is you know, distantly connected to our church, I'd love to have them here. I want, them to, I want to glorify God together out there in that field. I want to stand in front of all of us and, and join together and worship God for what he's done. And there are people who have invested their life in bits and pieces of Central Bible Church. I'd like them here. So help me. Help me. Spread the word that next week we're going to have worship service and we're going to have time of prayer and dedication for that property. Second goal. You can pray with us because the goal is by spring of 2016, by spring of 2016, the goal is that we'll have a pavilion out there and then we'll have a finished site plan for the whole property. Now that's, that's ambitious. The, the building people in the room, the, the designing type people, the people in our building committee, you know, that's, that's, that's a tough one. But I believe that, that as the Lord leads, we can reach that goal. Pray for us that that would happen. Now, I was told by, by our expert that July was the goal to close on that loan. And I was like, oh, that's crazy. It took us to November. Okay, so I understand delays come in the process. I realize that. But that's our goal. And now here's the goal for us as a body. Here's the goal for us. One thing I know about Centerpoint Bible Church. When the Lord leads us, we step up to the plate. So here's the goal. I'm challenging our church before the end of this year that we fund that pavilion. That we, that we as, as the Lord leads us, and as we invest in what God is doing. Now, we already invest our time. We, we, invest, we invest, I know. But ask the Lord to lead in your life that we, might, that we might be able to fund that pavilion before the end of this year. Now, you might say, well, what kind of number is that? Okay? I've been told everything from 50000 to 90000 Okay? I know, it's unbelievable, but that's what it costs. That's what it costs. And so we're, I'm, I'm, I'm praying and I'm, I'm asking our, our body to seek the Lord on what He wants us to do. And I think that's a good goal for us to, for us to dream and to, to pray about. So just remember, I think I, do I have one more slide up there? I don't think I do. That might be it. So next Sunday, do you want to see it? I'd love to walk around with every single one of us. I'd love to just walk around and show you what's there. You're going to be amazed at what God has done. Let's pray together and, and praise Him for His leading. Father in heaven, Lord, thank You for Your leading. Thank You for what You've done, God. Lord, I pray that You would continue to lead us. Lord, You, are, you go way beyond what we could ever ask or imagine. Lord, You've done that in our church. You've done that in our personal lives. Father, I thank You for leading us. Thank You for providing for us, Lord. Continue to do that. Lord, don't let any of us get in the way of what you're doing. But Lord, here's what we want most of all. This is our real prayer, Lord. This is our heart. Reach this community. Reach this community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whatever you need to do to do that, Lord. We, not that you need it, but we give you our permission, Lord. You don't need it, but we offer it as worship. Lord, reach this community. If you want to use us, we'd love that. If you want to use somebody else or some place else, that's fine, Lord. We want to see you reach this community with the gospel of Jesus Christ, Lord. There are people here who need you, and we long for you to work. So, Lord, do this work, we pray. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.
Well, it was Friday evening at my house. We were having a small group, and the group was almost there. It was about 6.30, and, and um, got word that I should check out the news because something had happened in Paris. Amazing, wasn't it? I tell you, it's, uh, it's, it's amazing how, how susceptible we are to be set back. I mean, it doesn't take much. It doesn't take much to shut down a city. If you haven't heard, I don't, I don't know where you've been, but on Friday, um, I've, got to, I've got some of the details here. There were six mass shootings and three separate suicide bombings that started shortly after 9 o'clock in Paris on Friday. Right now, there's at least 129 people killed. 352 were injured, and of those 352, 99 have been described as of this morning in serious condition. It's, it's, it's unheard of. It's, I mean, it just it blows our minds of the evilness of man. How man can work himself into a place where he will take an automatic weapon, and I understand, stand above in a balcony area and fire down into a crowd, deadly rounds, And then once things have calmed down to walk around and one by one put a bullet in the head of innocent civilians. It's hard to understand how someone can be motivated towards this amount of evil. When I saw it, I, I instantly turned to the very back page of my Bible. Go with me, would you? To Revelation chapter 22. It's the very last page of your Bible. The very last verse of the New Testament. And I thought, this is our cry. This is what we feel as believers when we see the depravity of man and the, the, the curse of sin in our world evidenced. I am moved with this kind of prayer. Revelation chapter 22. Jesus says, surely I am coming soon. And then the writer John says, Amen. And then he gives a a one-word prayer. It is literally one word. It is the word Maranatha. And this is what it means. Come, Lord Jesus. Come. Come again is our prayer. I don't know about you, but when I see that, I I don't feel too motivated to go over there and kill somebody. I don't feel too motivated to go over there and attack. Not me personally. Okay? That's not my role anymore. All right? I, don't, I, don't, I don't feel that draw. What I feel is, Jesus, come back. Come back, Lord. Verse 21, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. That should be our prayer. Death and destruction is really nothing new. Our media is able to put it on the screens in front of us over and over and over. And this is excessive. This is is a great amount at one time. The density is very high of destruction here. And so it moves our emotion. But in reality, every day people are dying. Every day people are really demonstrating the evilness of man from one to another over and over and over. It happens in a global sense. It happens in a violent sense. It happens in a relational sense. I know, across this room, we've all been the recipients of evil. We've been there. We've had people wrong us. We've had people take advantage of us. We've had people betray us. 
hurts deeply. It's supposed to. It's meant to be that way. God designed it that way. The curse of sin has created that. Because when this earth doesn't deliver, and when sin is on display before us, we're reminded of the futility of this world. That's how Romans 8 says it. This world is cursed. And I long greatly for what is to come. I'm moved as I see these, these, these pictures in the newspaper and on the, on the internet and television. I'm moved asking that the Lord might come. Now, I know what some of us think. Some of us are a little cynical. And I talk about the resurrection and I talk about Jesus coming back, and I talk about the kingdom of God being displayed on the earth. And here's what you think. Because, see, you went ahead and bought the, the, you know, the, the exercise device, or you might have bought the, the car polish or the Ginsu knife, and, and it came to your house, and it didn't cut the can. It didn't slice the tomato. You caught your whole car on fire. I don't know. Okay, It didn't deliver. And you think, ah, there you go again. Too good to be true. You've heard that line of a cynic? You ever said it yourself? Well, if something's too good to be true, then what? It probably is, said Eeyore to everybody, right? You know, if, it's too, if it sounds too good to be true, then it probably is. Really? Really? Is that what you said to your spouse when you asked her to marry you? Is that what you said? Did you whisper that in her ear? Oh, I love you. You are wonderful. You're probably too good to be true. Is that what you felt when, when you held that baby in your arm for the first time? Did you look down at this child and think, you're going to break my heart. You're too good to be true. Is that how you felt? No. No. See, God has placed eternity in our hearts and we can hope. We can hope. The resurrection, Christ's return, heaven, the, the kingdom of God. Do not allow the cynicism to rise up in you and to say, oh, it's too good to be true. I don't believe this stuff. Watch out for that. No, that's not true. God is too great for this to be false. God is too great for his promises of a kingdom of heaven, of a resurrection of sin being fixed, of the power of sin being broken, of the penalty of sin being gone, of the presence of sin to be taken away. It's that, that God is too great for those things to be false. I want to speak against cynicism today. I want to speak against the idea that nothing's going to work out. I want to call you to look to the resurrection. That's our theme for today. Our theme is to look at the resurrection. The resurrection of Christ. The resurrection of you. The resurrection of life. What does it mean to be resurrected? It means to be brought back to life. It means there's coming a time when you and I may be in the grave. We may be in the ground. And Jesus is going to return. And with the word of his mouth, he's going to speak 
and the graves will open and the sea will give up its dead and those who are dead in Christ will rise to be with the Lord forever. Oh, great truth. Great truth. Watch out for cynicism. As you see sin, as you see destruction, as you see the consequences of death, don't allow the truth of Philippians chapter 2. You can turn there. Don't allow that truth to be robbed. Go back to Philippians chapter 2. And let's review a passage today. We've already talked about it once. But I want to look at it today from another angle. I want to go another angle. But I want to start here today in Philippians chapter 2. Because our great hope rests upon the reality of Jesus. Our great hope, the reason that you get up from your television that is portraying death and can walk out the door as a shining light in a crooked and twisted generation, Philippians 2 says, the reason you can do that is because of Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, is true. Jesus conquered death. Jesus resurrected from the grave. Jesus stands right now at the right hand of God. Let's read it. Chapter 2, verse number 5. Read along with me. My translation says it this way. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Who? though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now listen, it sounds low there because it is. At the end of verse 8, we are at the low point of all creation history. The God-man is in the grave dead. You can't get much lower than that. But... Verse number, number 9. Therefore God has exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name that is above every name. So that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so, verse number 15 Now we may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Now there is a background character in this account. The main character of verses 5 through 11 is certainly Jesus. Jesus is certainly the main character of that whole set of verses. Arguably the most important verses and maybe in all, your, all of your Bible. You can't get more substantial maybe than those six verses. But there's another character 
that's there in those six verses, that's in the background, that I want to point to right now. And that character, quite honestly, is you. And me. It is mankind. Mankind is the background character of that passage. And I want us to understand that as we move today towards celebrating communion. We're going to celebrate what Jesus did. But in order to celebrate, we've got to understand the wonder of what is happening. So there's a character here, and we're going to call him Adam. We're going to let Adam represent all of us. And he is part of this story, part of the account of 5 through 11. But to find him, I want you to go to a different place in your Bible. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15. Now, if you have been kicking around your Bible for very long, you know 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is often called the resurrection chapter. It's all about the resurrection. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is. Just to give you a snippet of that, I want you to see it so you, so you know where I'm, where I'm coming from here. Look at verse number 17 of chapter 15. See what it says. Paul writes, And if Christ has not been raised from the dead, that is, in context, he's not been, if He has not been raised from the dead, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Here's what's going on. Paul's making an argument. I'm making an argument today. The argument that Paul is making is there is a resurrection coming. That sin and death and destruction are going to be conquered. And they're conquered by Jesus Christ. That's where we're headed. That's the end point today. Okay? And so the first thing he tries to say is, you've got to know. This resurrection is essential. It is the foundation of our faith. Without it, your faith is futile. If we deny that there's coming a resurrection, a fulfilling of God's purpose, a completion of His design, our faith is futile. Listen, all wrongs are going to be made right. All all, all death is going to end. It's going to be conquered. It's going to be broken. That's the resurrection. Jump down to verse number 21 in chapter 15 there. We're going to stay at 15 for a while. It writes, As for as by a man came death, By a man came death. So all of us die because Adam died. Because Adam rebelled against the Lord. By a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Death, destruction, murder, it all comes because Our representative, Adam, sinned against God. Even Adam, there in the Garden of Eden, rebelled against God. And now that death has come to us. Imputed to us is the sin of Adam. But just like that is Christ's life. Imputed to those who put their trust in Jesus. Jump down to verse number 26. The last enemy, 26. The last... So there are many enemies for us. There are enemies against us right now. And the last enemy to be be destroyed is death itself. Oh, what great truth. What great truth. The resurrected Christ is going to destroy 
death. Verse number 30. Why are we in danger every hour? Paul writes. All around us, we see it. So then, jump clear down to verse number 42. So, and here's where I want to land today for a little while. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. Now listen to this passage. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown in a natural body. It is raised in a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Verse number 46. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural and then the spiritual. Verse number 48. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of dust. And as the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we've been born the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. Now that sounds a little complex. But let me help you with it. Okay? Let me help you with it. We're having a contrast drawn here. Paul is saying, look at Adam. Adam will be over here. Okay? Look at Adam. Sown perishable. Sown in dust. Sown corrupt. Here is Adam. And all man. We destroy one another. We attack one another. We harm one another. You can see mankind's fall portrayed right in front of all of us. Here we stand. But there's a contrast being drawn. And over here is a new man. He's imperishable. He's incorruptible. He's a spiritual man. This is us resurrected in Christ. Let me walk through this. It says in verse number 42 that we, over here, we are sown, and it is sown perishable. Now listen to this. Perishable means corrupt. It means ruined. We are sown, in other words, like a seed in the ground, poop in the ground, and then it grows. We are sown, perishable, corrupt, or ruined. Go back to the garden. Think of Adam. What did Adam do? He desired to be equal with God. He grasped to be equal with God. I want to be like God. Satan comes with this temptation. Eat of this fruit and you'll be like God. And that corrupt nature, that ruined nature, that perishable nature said, I will grasp to be like God. See, that's man's character. He grasped for equality with God. What else happened in there in the garden? He exalted himself. Did he not? Satan says, eat the fruit, you'll be like God. The man and the woman says, yes, I will exalt myself. This man grasped for God in an effort to exalt himself. It's what all men do. Sown in dishonor, it says. My translation says that it is sown perishable and what is raised is imperishable. What is sown in dishonor. Dishonor? 
means shamed. It means unclean. It means tarnished. It means dirty is what it means. It's the shame of sin. It's the, it's the heavy burden that I know I'm a sinner. That I'm aware of what I've done wrong. I know my thoughts. And they chase after me. And I don't do the things I want to do. As a matter of fact, I do the things I don't want to do. At the end of the day, all I can say is, who will save me from the wretched man that I am? That's the only thing I can say. God, I need saved. I'm perishable. I'm dishonored. And I'm powerless to change. It goes on. It is sown in weakness. Weakness means to be incapacitated. It means to be unable to be used. It means to be broken, is what it means. Separated. Lost. Completely on your own. Can do nothing about it. It's us. It goes on. Sown in weakness. Sown a natural body. Verse number 44. Sown a natural body. You know what that means? We are sown. Grasping for God, exalting ourselves, slave to sin. When we are here, we cannot help but sin. We are slave to sin. Our master says, do it, and we do. That's what it means to be a slave. It means I have no will of my own. I can only do what my master tells me to do. And I am born, I am sown slave to sin in a natural body. You know what that means for us today? That you and I are sown in a natural body that is conquered by death and conquered by sin. I just, I just painted a picture of us. Every single one of us. Displayed in the character, the real character of Genesis chapter 3, Adam. Here, described in this passage, 1 Corinthians 15, destroyed by sin, slave to sin, lost, conquered, dying, and dead. That's us. And that's what we see. You see, this dead, dying man still breathes. And from him comes the breath of death. And we see it. And we feel it. It's like we can smell it. The stench of death all around. But notice what I skipped over and over and over. Did you see it? Did you think, lo? You skipped the phrase. Lo, you skipped the phrase. Yeah, I did. I did. But the Bible doesn't. See what it says. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. Sown in dishonor, raised in glory. Sown in weakness, raised in power. Sown natural, raised spiritual. Mankind seen in the first Adam is broken. Now, 
Go back to Philippians chapter 2. And let's watch the gospel. Watch the gospel of Jesus Christ played out before us. Watch the contrast. See the contrast. I want you to feel this today. I want you to feel the excitement and the worship and the move of of just adoration for the Lord in the contrast when we see how great it is what Jesus has done. The only way we can feel it, the only way we can see it, the only way we can experience it is to know how low man is when we read Philippians 2. Jump in with me again. We've already read it once. We'll read it again. Verse number 6. Now remember, man rebelled against God. Man rebelled against God. But look at number 6. Chapter 2. Jesus, though He was in the form of God, man rebels, Jesus is God. Keep reading. Jesus did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Man grasped for equality with God. Man says, I want to be like God. Jesus does not kind of call the God a thing to be grasped. Man exalted himself. What did Jesus do? Humbled himself. Man, slave to sin. Jesus takes the form of a slave for sin. Verse number seven. Seven, emptied himself by taking the form of a slave. Man experiences the consequences of sin. Death, destruction, slave to it. Jesus conquers it. Notice in verse number 8. He's found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the death, even, if, even death on a cross. And therefore, God has exalted him. Now listen to that. Listen to that. Jesus died. Death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him. You should all be thinking, how did God exalt him? I thought he was dead. This isn't logical. Verse number 8, he's dead. Not just any old death, death on a cross. Verse number 9, therefore, God has exalted him. Something happened when he ate nine. Something happened. What is it? He came out of the grave. He came out of the grave. A transformation has occurred in Jesus and in us. A transformation has occurred. It's no small transformation like a tadpole to a frog or something small and insignificant like that. It's the transformation from death to life. It's the transformation from sown perishable, sown broken, sown slave, sown dead to life. It's what we have in Christ.
Skip forward, I'm out of time. I'm moved today in my heart. Part of it, part of it is what I saw in the media this week. But you need to know, I was moved before Friday. Because the reality is, we don't need to see a dead man or a dead woman in some theater to know that sin destroys. We don't need to see that portrayed to know that truth. We walk it every day. We walk it every day and see it every day. And the call today is to be moved in worship that Jesus has come to earth, did the very opposite of the first Adam, and rose victorious over all that was sown in destruction, rose victorious over all of that, and is granted to you today life. Where does transformation start? Where does it start? It starts at a cross. It starts at a Savior who took on the consequences of all of our sin. Who willingly came to earth and lived a perfect life demonstrating to all of creation that He is God. And then took that perfect body, sinless, and died in place of sinners like you and me. His body was offered for you. His body was was as if it's broken and, and handed out to us. Here, take my offering, Jesus says. Here, take what I offer. Take my gift. He offers His body to us in that way. Here, take it. Take it as yours. He offers His blood. Spilled out for us. Why? Because without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. So He says to you, allow my blood to be sacrificed for you. It is my life. It is my life, and I spill it out for you. I die in place of you. This is the gospel. That Jesus died in our place. And then he was buried because he truly died. And he was resurrected from the grave, came back to life, conquering sin and death. Have you received that gift? Is He yours today? Is forgiveness yours? Have you been transformed, imperishable, incorruptible, a spiritual body? I'm going to have our music team to come up here and lead us in a song in just a minute. You guys can work your way up here. Today we're going to celebrate what Jesus did. We're going to celebrate it in the way that we were instructed to. Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he taught his disciples. He said, as often as you come together, do this in remembrance of me. He said, take bread, break it. Break the bread. And give it to 
all the believers. Allow all the believers to have this bread. This bread, he said, that you're all holding, you're all going to partake. It represents my body, distributed to you all. And he said, take the cup. Give it to all and receive it with thankfulness. It is my blood shed for you. He said, as often as you come together, do this in remembrance of me. I think we're going to look at what Christ did. If we're going to look at the miracle that has happened. If we're going to look at the, at the depravity of us as men and women. We have to celebrate with communion. So here's how we do it. In a minute, the, the team's going to lead us in a song. And they're going to, they're going to play some music. And in the corners of the room, there's some trays there with, with some bread and some juice. Go to the corner and, and, and get some of the elements and bring them back to your seat. And then in a moment, we're going to sing a song of worship to the Lord. Sing from your heart. As you hold the bread, which represents Christ, as you hold the blood, which represents His blood, sing these songs. And then we'll all partake together. Let's pray and thank this. Lord, we thank you for your shed blood. We thank you for your body given to us. Now, Lord, receive our worship. In Jesus' name.